funny story, the first cut of that little intro that they brought to me, I said, no. Because it was so crazy scary. No lie. I mean, it had these weird noises and voices, and I, I'm like, no. There will be people under their chairs if they hear it. I, I, I was scared when I, when I saw the thing. It, it kind of brings back that, that memory for me. Those of you who've been Judgment House folks throughout the year, how come we were always better at hell than heaven, right? It's like we could, we could build hell, man. We had all kinds of ideas. In heaven, it was, it was kind of the struggle to figure out how to put it together. Speaking of Judgment House, uh, Jason mentioned it a second ago, the last two days on the square, I'm telling you, if you knew how good that was, not only would you have been there, I'm telling you, you would have drugged every person you know that does not know Jesus. You would have, drug, you would have, you would have bribed them, you would have guilted them, you would have kidnapped them if you needed to. If you knew how good it was, it would have been weird. It's like, do you want to trust Jesus? Uh, right? But it would be weird, but whatever it takes, right? I'm telling you, it was so good. I, I, in the future, I just want to encourage you to, to lean into and trust some of those um, opportunities like the dramas that presents the good news of Jesus. Those of you who were a part of that the last two days, you knocked it out of the park. It was fantastic. It cracked me up. Um, every once in a while, as, as we would be sharing with groups who were coming through, there, there were even some folks who would come through like dressed up in their costumes, right? And, and, which was kind of weird, but it, it was kind of funny. But just people dressed in their costumes. We are in a season where we kind of make fear fun, all right? And people kind of have some fun with all that. But we're dealing with something for a few weeks here where we all know it's all right to pick a moment and maybe have a little fun with fear, but to live with fear is no fun at all. To live with fear, it just wears you out. And so we're asking some questions about fear. What, what we learned last week is that most of the fears we express tend to be about what's going to happen. I'm not sure what's going to happen. What are, what are these circumstances going to be? But we learned that although it sounds like it's something of the future, it's also really connected to our past because we tend to fear what we've already experienced somewhere along the way. It either happened to us or we saw it happen to someone else. And we don't want to feel again what we've already felt. Well, today, I want to be a little more specific with a particular fear. I think it's one that we all face. And the interesting part about this particular fear is just because you overcome it once, by no means means that it will not resurface again in certain circumstances. Today, I want to talk to you about the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. Can you remember, like, maybe one of the first times that you felt rejection? I wouldn't be surprised if you could. Uh, maybe it was just as a kid, you know, maybe on the playground or 
Maybe it was, it was a team, or it was a choir, or a fraternity, or a sorority, or maybe it was when you wrote that first love letter, right? You remember what it said? Will you go with me? Circle yes or no. Remember that? And, and they circled no. It's like, ah. Rejection. Rejection means to throw back, all right? I love the game of basketball. So in the game of basketball, I mean, somebody is attempting to, to take a shot and, and a rejection is to send that ball flying right back at the one who's, who's trying, right, to, to make the shot. But when it's an employer and you hear those words, um, your services will no longer be needed here. Or even worse, it's a, it's a spouse that you were close to. And now they're saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you again. Nobody likes feeling rejection. And I, I discover, I, I found in my own life that, that I... I tend to build my life around not being too close to any situation where I might be rejected. That's my tendency. And I would imagine that it's probably yours. And so today, I want to I wanna help us out, and it's really not me that's helping us out. It's, it's God's got a story that, that I really believe will help us out today. It's a story we find in the Bible from the book of 1 Samuel. So if you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you to head to um, 1 Samuel and we're going we're gonna to talk about a guy named Saul. Now, in the, in the second part of the Bible, in the New Testament part of the Bible, there's a guy named Saul who becomes Paul. That's not, this, that's not the guy we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about a guy who lived a long time before that. If you were here last week, we, we talked about David and Goliath. Remember that, that last week? Saul was the king when that happened. All right? So that's the guy. I, I want you to hear his story all that started when God's people, Israel, said, God, we want a king. Now, they didn't have a king because they didn't need a king. Who was their king? God was their king. I mean, how do you get better than that? But they say to God, we want a king. He's like, you don't need a king. I'm your king. And they're like, but everybody else has a king. He's like, all right. All right, you can have a king. Samuel is the prophet during this time frame. And so Samuel, God's spokesperson, is given by God the task of anointing the first king. And through this really weird set of circumstances, let's just say donkeys get lost. It's part of the story. You should read your Bible. There's really cool stuff in there. Donkeys get lost and Saul is looking for these donkeys. And as the story comes together, Saul ends up encountering Samuel, who has already been told by God, this is going to be the guy. He's going to be the king. So Samuel invites Saul to dinner, and he lays out God's plan that God has for Saul. And this is how Saul answers him, 1 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to start, verse 21. You ready? Saul answered, but am I not a Benjamite 
from the smallest tribe of Israel. And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? God says, Saul going to be the next king. He communicates it to Samuel. Samuel identifies Saul. He says, Saul, God says, you're going to be the next king. And you know what Saul's response was? Me? Me? I mean, I, I, I'm, from, I'm from like the smallest tribe, the most insignificant tribe of God's people. And, and even within that tribe, it's like, our, our, it's like we are not. We are not a big family in Israel. Now, when you first hear that, it kind of sounds like humility. But I would remind you that humility is seeing yourself like God sees yourself. This is not humility. This is unbelief. This is God saying, you're going to be king. This is, this is, this is Samuel sitting down with him and walking through. And, and I'm telling you, what you see here, this small insight that Saul has of himself sets a pattern for his life. It sets the stage for the fear of rejection. Now, some of you also know people who are exactly the opposite. And if you said to them, hey, you're going to be the king, they'd be like, well, it's about time, right? It's about time because my family, right, my family's it. I mean, I, I, and maybe it is. Maybe it's because their family has accomplished a lot, right? And so they, they lack absolutely no confidence. In fact, you would call it arrogance, but it's just sort of that, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not afraid of this. I, I want you to understand that the fear of rejection can still dominate their life. Because all it takes is one failure. In fact, all it takes is the appearance of one failure. And for a person like that, who, who, who feels like they got it together and their family, you got to hold that together. You got to hold it together. And you and I both know you can't hold all that together. And there are moments that we fail and there are moments that we struggle and when you're not careful. So it doesn't really matter whether it looks like somebody who's crazy humble or it looks like somebody who's crazy arrogant. The fear of rejection can dominate your life. Saul is anointed by Samuel. Now we're not to the press conference yet. Press conference isn't happening yet, but he, he anoints Saul. He's recognized as the next king. He gives him some instructions about what's going to happen. He's going to meet this, this group of prophets and da-da-da-da-da. And I want you to hear what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 10. We're going to jump to chapter 10. Verse 10. It happens just like Samuel said it would. When he, that's Saul, and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? 
A man who lived there answered, and who is their father? So it became a saying, is Saul also among the prophets? Now maybe you don't think this is a big deal, but I think God put this in here right on purpose. Here's what's happening. God's spirit empowers Saul, and the next thing you know, he's doing something he doesn't normally do. He's, he's proclaiming the things of, of God, and all of a sudden, his high school buddies are like, what? Who are you? Saul, the preacher man? And it becomes this ongoing joke. It says it became the saying. Now, why would God put that in there? Why would he put that in the story? To show us how powerful it is. When you, when you fear rejection, let me give you this truth. If you want to increase your fear of rejection, because I know that's what you came here to learn, right? How do I, how do I increase my fear of rejection? I'm going to tell you how. You need to grow some rabbit ears. Grow some rabbit ears. Any baseball fans in the house? Is the World Series just not as much fun this time? Anybody noticed? Like the Royals aren't in it. The games are great, right? Lots of just wild. It's like, this ain't that fun. This is in honor of the World Series. Rabbit ears is a baseball term, in case you don't know. If you want to grow your fear of rejection, you need to grow a big old set of rabbit ears, all right? Rabbit ears are a term that's given to an umpire. The, guys who, the guy who calls balls, strikes, right? Out, you, you, it's a term for an umpire who tends to focus more on listening to what's being said around him than he is focused on the task that he is to do. When an umpire does that, it's said they have rabbit ears. When, um, when my wife and I were first dating, so I'm gonna say we were, I don't know, freshmen in high school, we got a summer job umpiring, both of us did. And it's a great gig, I mean, you got to be outside. Um, it paid really good for way back in the day. It was like 10 bucks a game. Some t-ball games were like an hour. Well, in that day, I mean, a freshman in high school and to make you know, some decent money and you could, you could umpire six, seven games you know, on a, on a, on a weekend uh, day. But you know what I wasn't ready for? I was not prepared for the parental feedback. <laughs> I was not. I grew up in sports, all right? I love sports. But I was not prepared for the parental feedback. Wow! Good umpires learn how to tune out the crowd and just do what they see happening in front of them. If you don't, it will mess you up. Umpire, you will start calling crazy stuff. Can you remember as a kid just how when you're growing up with kids, you, you, somebody just suddenly decides they don't like you? You remember that? That's how it is when you're a kid. Kids are mean. It's like you be playing along, it's like, I don't like you anymore. Hey, well, what happened? Sometimes you could actually have done something, right? Other times it just means you won the game, right? Uh, sometimes you just did something, and it's just like all of a sudden it's like, I don't like you. I don't like you anymore. 
Most of us experience that really early in our life. You would think we would learn how to deal with rejection in a healthy way, wouldn't you? But as we grow up, it's still a struggle. For most of us, there will always be someone or some ones who don't like us. It's going to happen. And most of us spend far too much time trying to get the people who don't like us to like us. Now, I'm not saying you don't love them because that's what Jesus tells you to do. When somebody doesn't like you, all right, but it's okay for you to continue to love them, but you got to learn to move with the people who celebrate with you. You do. You would think we would handle all that enough in our life, even starting when we're just little kids, that we would be pros at this by now. But oh, how powerful it is. Saul had a small view of himself. And that starts to grow into some big old rabbit ears where he's listening to all the junk that's being said about him, around him. And then we're told that Saul's uncle just simply asked him a question. Here's where it's recorded, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 14. Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, where, where, where you been? And here's this, looking for the donkeys, he said. But when we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul replied, he assured us that the donkeys had been found. Check this line. But he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Now I got a question. Which is bigger news? Donkeys got found or I'm going to be king? Right? God isn't it interesting that when his uncle asked him he only talks about the donkeys and, and he doesn't even tell him about being king here's what I want you to get the fear of rejection will make you hide the fear of rejection will make you hide it's like, why would God put that little thing again in the story? It seems so trite. It seems so insignificant. No, it, it's significant. Saul has this small view of himself, and now he's listening to what everybody else around him is saying rather than what God is saying, and now he's starting to hide. I mean, come on. It isn't the same thing typically true with with a lot of us, just the way we see ourselves, the way we tend to think about ourselves, the doubts that honestly most of us have, the insecurities that we wrestle with. I mean, wow, if people could actually hear what we often say to our I wonder if they like my talk today. I can't tell if they're really listening. I wonder if they could tell when I lost my train of thought earlier. 
Looks like a few extra sleepers out there today. Is this shirt too boring? What would they think if they knew why I actually wear black? It's because I'm nervous. I sweat. I hope the glare of the lights off my head doesn't show up on the video this week. But if I tilt my head just right, maybe the glare will get somebody's attention. Man, I don't feel good today. My stomach is rumbling. Oh, I hope nobody heard that. Isn't it true? I mean, everybody has insecurities we talk to ourselves about. Just hoping that nobody would ever, right, really know what we doubt, what we struggle with. It'll make you hide. It'll make you hide. For Saul, this seems so insignificant, but it's growing. And now he's hiding even the truth, the incredible truth. Well, it's time for the press conference now. Time for the press conference. What does that mean? It means the whole nation gathers. All right, whole nations coming together. The band's gonna play. We're talking ticker tape parade, right? This is Saul's big moment, right? Samuel steps to the front. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time, right? I think that's exactly how he did it. In the blue corner, standing six foot six, 225 pounds, I introduced the beast from the tribe of Benjamin, the man with the plan, the current king of Israel, King Saul. King Saul. And they're like, anybody seen Saul? Anybody seen Saul? Everybody starts asking questions. Anybody seen Saul? They start sending the drones out looking for, looking for Saul. Where's Saul? Anybody, anybody seen Saul? Check it out. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 22. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man, Saul, come here yet? And the Lord said, you ready? Yes. He has, what's the word? Hidden himself among the supplies. Sometimes it's translated baggage. That's kind of ironic. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. This dude, apparently, he's, he's tall. Samuel said to the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. The fear of rejection will make you hide. He hid the news about being king to his uncle. Now at his own press conference, he's hiding in the baggage. This stuff is powerful. It's powerful. 
Anybody ever broke, broken a bone? Like you ever a broken arm, broken leg, even rib, right? You, you ever notice that when you, when you break a bone and then later you're telling somebody about it? You can remember how much that hurt, but you can't actually, you can't actually feel it when you retell it. But when you're rejected, and then you retell the story, isn't it wild that you don't just remember it? You can actually feel the same pain. That's why this stuff will mess you up. That's why this is so powerful. So the press conference is over. Saul starts home, verse 26. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. I love that line. Everybody needs some of those. But some scoundrels, you got to love that word. You didn't know the Bible had the word scoundrel. In it. But some scoundrels said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts, but Saul kept silent. He just hides from the conflict. He's the king now. And he's got good people in his life. God has spoken to the hearts of who he calls valiant men who will stand with Saul in what God has called Saul to do. It's like God's going, I mean it, man. You're, you're going to be the king, and I'm raising up people around you. I'm putting everything in place for you to be able to do what I want you to do. But, oh, my goodness, the pattern in Saul's life that even with valiant men with him, his fear of man was greater than his fear of God and he hid. Let me show you one more. Saul had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan would become really good friends with David. Here's what it says in chapter 13, verse 3. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Gibeah. And the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. You ready? Jonathan attacked the Philistines. What does it say? Saul attacked the Philistines. Outpost and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines and the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. Who attacked the, Philippi, the, the, the Philistine outpost? Jonathan did. But, but when the word goes out, it's like, it's like he, he couldn't even give credit to his own son. Now Saul is hiding behind the actions of others. Now he's hiding behind credit that's not his. He's hiding behind bravery that he does not demonstrate. Here's the big point. The fear of rejection will lead you to hide from your God-given purpose. And that's what happened to Saul. He was called to be king. You got, a, you got a mission. You've got a mission given by your God. The reason that you've still got breath in your lungs today. It is to declare the greatness of the God who loves you. It is to declare the greatness of the God who rescued you in all of your messiness. It is, it is to, the, to declare the greatness of the God who has brought you in and he calls you his kid. 
And now you are called to leverage your life with all that he has given you, that you will trust him, that you will be bold for him, for his greatness. But if you fear men more than you fear God, you will stay silent when you have been empowered to speak and you will hide when you have been called to serve. Because what if you fail? And what if people think you're crazy? Some of us have learned to be bold about Jesus, but the truth is we're, we're really bold about Jesus when we're around our people. So we can be bold, but it's, it's really safe because there are people. And some, some, sometimes if we won't even associate with certain people, because of how we will be viewed. And you can't hang out with them because of how somebody else will see you and what they'll think about you. The fear of rejection will lead you to hide from your God-given purpose. Let me show you one more consequence, then we'll wrap this up. Another battle happens. Saul was given instruction to wait for Samuel. Now Samuel had told him this the very first time he met him. He's like, there's going to be this day, you're going to be fighting this battle, you're going to wait for me to come, it's going to take seven days for me to get there, and then when I get there, I'm going to offer the sacrifices that needed to be offered because he's the man of God. That's, that's his role. This, this is the day where God selected them, and they were his spokesperson, and they were the one who, who led the, the worship. They offered the sacrifices, and Samuel's like, I'm going to get there, and I'm going to offer the sacrifices, and then you're going to fight the battle. But the pressure was building, and Samuel wasn't arriving. And so Saul took matters into his own hands and he did exactly what God told him not to do. He offered the sacrifice. And the fire's still burning when Samuel shows up. And this is what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 11. What are you smoking, asked Samuel. What are you doing? What are you doing, Saul? And Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, you gotta love that, that name. I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I, what's the word? Little bitty word right here. So I, felt. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Let me give you one more truth. The fear of rejection will lead you to act from feelings rather than a faith in God. Anybody remember last week? Don't say yes or no because I can't take it if you didn't. Last week, Fearful or fearless, remember? And when we are fearful, 
we're acting out of what? Our feelings. We, we act out of, right? We, we wake up and we just think certain things and we just go with it and we feel this. And we, we, it's, like, it's like building your life on jello. Remember? It's like a roller coaster ride that you can't ever get off of. But, but when you are fearless, it doesn't mean that fear is not there at all. Some fear is good. But when you are fearless, what we are talking about is building on the foundation of a God who speaks and his word is sure and he is not shaken. It does not move. You can build your house on his word. Verse 13 You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Saul would lose his kingship. He feared men more than he feared God. Saul was supposed to defeat Goliath. It should have been his story. But Saul didn't deal with the fear of rejection in his life when it was small and it grew into a giant that he was afraid to face. After David defeated Goliath, it says they all went back to the capital city of Jerusalem and there's another parade and everybody's chanting and they're singing. It even goes so far to say the women are singing. Now for a guy, when the women start singing, you know who they're singing for? David. And Saul went psycho. He lost it. It's where the fear of rejection always leads you. We live in a culture where I just really believe an enemy has so many tools, so many tools that they can be used for good. They can be used to spread the good news of Jesus, but they can also be used just to wear you out in terms of acceptance and rejection. I mean, some of you are so engulfed in social media, for example, that you spend so many hours a day reading about what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is experiencing and how everybody else is happy and everybody else is on vacation and everybody else travels to here and everybody else drives this and there's just an enemy going, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. And man, he just pushes your heart into the dirt. You can allow the don't likes to mess you up. We got to learn to reverse the action. Don't grow rabbit ears. Listen to the faithful people of God who he has put around you, the valiant men and women who, who trust in him. Don't talk bad about yourself. Believe what God has to say about you. You don't need to steal credit for, for what somebody else does. Learn, learn the strength that comes in actually building other people up. Learning the, learn the strength that comes when you, when you can compliment others for what they do. Don't let your fear make you act on feelings, but learn to stand in faith 
on the word of God that will never crumble. Where do, where do we run when we battle rejection? We run to the one who is the expert because nobody was ever rejected like Jesus. Rejected by many. Rejected by me. Rejected by you. Every time that he said, this is, this is where you find life, and I'm like, that's eh, okay, I think, I'll, I think I'll do this. He says, this is, this is, this is, this is how you need to walk this out. I'm like, no, I think, I think I got this. Rejected, and yet, he chose to love me. And he chose to love you. And the very thing that separated us, our rejection, he was willing to pay the ultimate price, a price on a cross where he gave his life, becoming the one rejected. It was as though he did the rejection. It was as though he was the one who committed all the wrong that you and I have done. But his rejection made the way for us to be accepted by the one that we were made for. His sacrifice made the way that, that we could be accepted by the God that we were made to know and to love. And so we're gonna close our time together today. Remembering his rejection that for many of us in this room has allowed us to be accepted. We call this the Lord's Supper. Um, and the reason is because it was something that Jesus instructed us to do when he instructed his disciples at the very last meal that they gathered together for before the cross. And he said, I, I want you to do this to remember. I want you to remember. I don't want you to ever forget. Now, they don't even know what they're remembering yet because it hasn't happened. The cross hasn't happened yet. Resurrection hasn't happened yet. But he's saying, I don't, I don't ever want you to forget. And he takes the bread and he says, this, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. I want you to remember. And he said, this, this cup, this, this, this juice, this wine they would have used in, in that day, he said, this, this represents my blood that was shed for you. And he calls those of us who know him, those of us who follow him, those of us who have called out to him saying, Jesus, I need you. I, I entrust my life to you. Will you take away everything that's between me and you? I want to follow you. I want you to live in me. You be my king. For those of us who know him, he says, this is something I want you to do to remember. If you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, whatever, wherever you may be from, whatever church you may be a part of, if you are a Christian, you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you to celebrate this with us today. This, we believe this is a family of God thing, not just a family of heart of life thing. You say, well, I, I don't, I'm not a believer yet. I'm not, I'm not a Jesus follower yet. Then I, it's all right. The fact that you're here and I'm encouraging you to hear, 
to hear what I'm saying today about a Jesus who has died for you. A Jesus who gave his life that you could find forgiveness and peace and hope. You can do it today. You can. In just a minute, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing a song together. While we sing that song, um, elements are going to be distributed so that everybody's going to be able to take the cup. You'll have a cup that have a piece of bread in it and a little juice. Just hold on to that. And we'll, we're going to take it together, all right, in a little bit. So just hold on to that. But while that's happening, there, there may be some things that maybe you need to trust Jesus today. I'm going to ask that the folks who often help us um, mo- most every Sunday, that they would be right over here in the next few minutes. And, and I'm saying, you don't need to just eat some bread and drink some juice today. Some of you need to run to the one that bread and juice represents. His name is Jesus. And today you can trust him and you can find the forgiveness and the life that he brings. The Bible also says we don't take this flippantly. You guys ever read that? The Bible says that when we come to this moment, it's not supposed to be like something we just kind of flippantly move our way through. This is, this is about the most beautiful picture of love that has ever been displayed. It's about his sacrifice for us. And so it says that we ought to take some moments to examine our heart. And we're going to do that before we sing. Even before I pray, I'm just going to give you a few minutes to just wait before him. And here's the point. The point is not for you to say, oh, you know what? There's some stuff in my heart that I'm really wrestling with. Like there's this person that I need to forgive. And I I really haven't dealt with that. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm not worthy to take it. That's not the point. The point is that you would examine your heart and go, you know what, I got this issue of unforgiveness, but I have been forgiven at the height of all forgiveness. Uh, God, who would love me enough to die for me, it's supposed to drive you to your knees in this moment. Say, God, help me forgive, and then you celebrate his grace. It's not supposed to make you go, ooh, I got something bad, I'm disqualified. It's supposed to make you go, ooh, I got something bad, I'm running to Jesus who can change all that. That's how it's supposed to work. So, let's just quietly wait before him for a moment. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads across the room. I'm going to ask those of us who help us if they would head that direction. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray just your heart to God for a few moments and then I'm gonna pray for us and then we are going to stand together and we're gonna sing after that as those elements are being distributed. Let's, let's wait before our God, let's, let's pray, let's pray. God, we come today thanking you for your grace. We come today thankful for Jesus, thankful for the cross, thankful for a sacrifice, thankful for love.
that was so undeserved, but so poured out for us. God, thinking about Saul's story today and all of our tendency to to search for value and significance and worth, and we, we end up putting all that in what people think about us, which then just builds this platform for a fear of rejection. God, we, we have seen the truth today. You have, you have opened, God, our eyes to see the story of where the fear of rejection leaves us. Today, may, may you cause our hearts to run to you. We're going to rest in you, the one who was despised and rejected, and yet you became You became our rescue. You became our savior. You have become our our cornerstone on which our lives can be built. We don't have to fear people. We are loved by you. God, may you help us to see today we are loved by you in this moment. May we remember. May we remember again to be loved by you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand with me. As we stand and as we sing, those elements are going to pass. Today, if you need prayer, I encourage you to move this direction. If you need to trust Jesus today, I encourage you to move that way. As we sing it together, let's celebrate. Let's remember.